With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome into a very, very special Thursday edition of the Strictly Stripes podcast. Muhammad Ahmad doing things solo today as Andrew Gillis and Mike Nizak have the day off, but I am not alone or solo completely because I have a very, and I'm going to keep saying very because she's a very special guest, and that is Dr. Lawrence Steed from the University of Cincinnati's Linder College of Business. She is an assistant professor of management whose specialty is in leadership um, over at UC. Now, you might be wondering, why do we have a leadership professor on a football podcast. Well, I'll tell you why, because we've talked about Joe Burrow's numbers, Joe Burrow's his background, Joe Burrow's stats and what makes him, you know, so effective compared to Patrick Mahomes, like all the jargon I could list for days and days, like we've been doing time and time again on this podcast. But people wonder what makes him Joe cool? What makes him Joe Shiesty? Why does he have all these nicknames? Why can he wear a SpongeBob sweat sweatshirt and be cooler than some guy wearing a Versace suit for all we know. The point is, people ask, what makes Joe Cool Joe Cool? Well, the reason why I have Dr. Steed on here is to look at everything that makes Joe Burrow, everything that completes his personality, his leadership, his dedication, and everything that has allowed him to be one of the best players in the game right now and one of the best pro athletes all across major professional sports in America. Dr. Steed, uh, I know that was a long introduction, but for a special <laughs> guest, I think that's more than deserving. How are you doing today? I'm great. Thanks so much for having me. That was quite the introduction. Um, yeah, it's always exciting to to get to talk about organizational behavior and um, super exciting to get to do it to talk about Joe Burrow as well. So I'm excited to be here. Yeah, we. I, I was telling our listeners this. We usually make Thursday our unofficial quote-unquote Joe Burrow day. So I said, <laughs> okay, you know, let's do something different. We've talked so much about Joe Burrow. I've done film reviews with our special contributor, Lance Reisland. We've talked about his stats compared to other guys. And we're even going to do more podcasts kind of comparing him to other quarterbacks like Josh Allen and Justin Herbert, you know. And obviously, you know, the contract extension stuff has taken up a lot of our time on this podcast. But I think this is really a nice change of pace, and I think it's going to kind of get people to really see the other side of Joe Burrow that people maybe don't see when it comes to, you know, the non-physical, non-verbal side of things. So I guess to sort of start, you know, Joe Burrow, I asked him uh, before the AFC Championship game back in January, I said, you know, Joe, if you kind of had to describe your leadership style, if you had to describe how you convey the message to your teammates, verbally or non-verbally, how do you describe it? And he said, point blank, 
I've had this question answered, and I do, I'm sorry, I've had this question asked to me, and I don't know how to answer it. But the truth is, I think there is an answer. He just doesn't have it. So if you have to describe Joe Burrow's leadership style, what would you describe it as and why? Well, so I would probably put Joe in the category of a transformational leader using a transformational leadership style, uh, which is what we in organizational behavior refer to a style of leadership where the leaders work to get their followers on board with a shared vision that they're motivating them to. They're looking to provide meaning to their work. They're serving as a, a charismatic role model that helps you know, direct them and, um, and influence them. And it also focuses on um, their development as individuals and followers. So in general, talking about transformational leadership, there, there's four main characteristics that, that we talk about. Um, we call them the four I's sometimes. Um, the first is idealized influence, which uh, is often referred to just as charisma. So that's sort of the, the lay term that you often hear if you're familiar with charisma. Um, idealized influence has to do with having that that uh, you know innate kind of characteristic that we often associate with leaders. People want to follow the leader. They're charismatic. They, um, you know, you want to be associated with this person. And that's one that I, you know, I, I don't know Joe. I should preface that I've I've never met, been never been lucky enough to meet Joe. But um, I am a big Bengals fan, and I love keeping up with you know how the Bengals are doing and watching press conferences and all that. So you get to I've gotten to see some of the you know behaviors and. Um, uh, you know, quotes that Joe has said in press conferences, and a lot of them do align with a number of these styles. Um, so if you want, I can talk about all four or we can talk about like specific characteristics, uh, you know, whichever you prefer. Well, I think um, that's a really good sort of uh, bench point is uh, you mentioned the four points. So you, you say the overall theme is transformational leadership and the four points, which are, you said, well, idealized influence, individualized mm -hmm. consideration, and what are the other two? Uh, intellectual stimulation and inspirational motivation. So, so ins yeah, yeah, go ahead. No, I was going to say, no, I think all of that makes sense. So I'm going to try to take a stab at these and maybe, you you know, find some examples of what those four attributes are in relation to Burrow. And you kind of tell me if this makes sense. So you mentioned like, you know, uh, inspirational motivation. So would a good example of that basically be where, He's convincing his teammates that like, hey, we are good enough to go to a Super Bowl. We are good enough uh, to make it to the Super Bowl, which they've done. Or would you say that's more intellectual stimulation? I'd say that's inspirational motivation. Um, so inspirational motivation is, is really about getting followers on board with a shared vision for the future. Um, and there's a ton of stuff that Joe has said that really, you know, exemplifies this, right? That he truly believes that they're going to go to the Super Bowl. He expects to win, um, right? I think we talked about that quote um, uh, that he said, you know, earlier this year about, um, how the window of winning the Super Bowl is his whole career and that, you know, winning division championships are the standard, right? They should be winning playoff games. He truly uh, has has made the um, kind of statements out in the press and put it out there that there's this this big vision that he wants to align the team behind. And that's really a, a pretty good example of inspirational motivation. Right. Just sort of saying like, yeah, the window is his entire career. That's sort of that inspirational motivation that, you know, when he says that, they don't just hear it, they internalize it, they believe it, and that's what allowed them to make it to, you know, back-to-back -back AFC championship games in the last two years. 
Yeah. I mean, he, in his, his, um, he really backs up what he says, right? It seems like he doesn't just say things. He takes the action. He puts in the work. He does all of the things that the team sees him do, um, to kind of line up to support that, that vision and that long-term goal. And some of that is his idealized influence, um, in, in the way that he actually kind of gets team members really rallied along the goal because they believe that they can do it, seeing all the other work that he's putting in. I think that's very interesting, and I, and I think there really is sort of something to be said about that because, you know, I talked to Ted Karras after, you know, they beat Tampa Bay in that crazy comeback win, and, you know, the simple quote I took away from that was, you know, when he talked about Burrow, he said he is our unquestioned leader, you know, quote for quote, mm-hmm. and, you know, you hear that so many times from Joe Mixon, you hear it even from defensive guys like Sam Hubbard, who people call him the Joe Burrow of the defense, and I think there's a reason for that because, You know, Sam Hubbard is one of Joe Burrow's best friends because they went to Ohio State together before he went to LSU. And now that they're in Cincinnati together, it's almost like that sort of effect rubs off on him where it's like, yeah, it makes sense to call Sam Hubbard the Joe Burrow of the defense. Like, is that an example of sort of like that, you know, I guess out of those four categories, like where would you kind of put that? Like the way he kind of influences Sam Hubbard. Is that also in that same category? Is that more maybe like an idealized influence? Yeah, I'd probably call that one the idealized influence. He's got that that charisma, um, just that generally people th- this is if you're talking about like the more innate characteristics or the personality characteristics, a lot of that falls into this category that that, um, you know, people uh, admire this person. They trust them. They respect them. They generally genuinely want to follow them and want to be associated with them. And I think that's sort of what what you see if you're, you know, talking about the Sam, Sam Hubbard being the Joe Burrow of the defense. Um, in general, like there's a number of characteristics that, that Joe has that we know lead to effective leadership or that Joe displays at least like high self-confidence. Um, you know, that helps the, the team not only have confidence in him, but trust and admire, respect him. And you see that kind of play out in the idealized influence as well. I think another interesting example that I thought about is, you know, the way that he took Jesse Bates on a vacation in Las Vegas last year when Jesse Bates had his uh, holdout because he didn't want to sign the franchise tender because, you know, he was trying to go for a long-term deal. And eventually he did sign the tender and he played all of last year because I think due in part to the fact that Burrow took him to Vegas, they went to a UFC fight together. I think Chadobia Wuzier was even with them. So it wasn't just Burrow alone, but I think there were times where like, it was just Burrow and Bates. And obviously we don't know what was said word for word. Um, That's private conversation, but like, Assuming Burrow's words had an impact on impact on Bates not sitting out last year and playing and helping the Bengals get to that point, like, do you think that qualifies with any of those characteristics you mentioned? Yeah, I think that might be fall in our individualized consideration category. You know, that's really about focusing on helping individual follower followers achieve their potential, mentoring them, focusing on development. Um, and you, I mean, you see that in that example, you see it in the way he talks a lot about focusing. So I just watched his press conference from this week. Um, and he was talking about, you know, getting to know each of the new members of the team, both who they were as players and who they were as people, um, so that he could kind of focus on building a culture within the locker room. And it was really down to the individual level. How can each person contribute? How can I get to know them? How can I help them kind of achieve their potential? So we as a team can achieve our potential. One thing that Zach Taylor said to that point, which I find interesting, is that, you know, he said Joe Burrow's always been this way. It's not like he came in as a rookie in 2020 and then he got to this point. Like Zach Taylor basically said, this is who they've known Joe Burrow to be. 
he he even said that like if you were to talk to his high school coaches at Orgeron, like his LSU coaches, they'd probably say the same thing. And I would imagine Coach O would agree. And you know, whoever his coaches were, Urban Meyer at Ohio State, obviously would probably say, yeah, like that's just how Joe Burrow's always been. Um, so it's not like this sort of happened overnight. It, it it seems like this has really been who he is for a lot of his life. But would you say he was just? I mean, we don't really know word for word, or we can't really get in his head, but would you say people with transformational leadership styles are born that way? Does it match their personality, or is it something that you think maybe he learned from his dad because his dad's a football coach, or his mom, or you know, do you think someone along the way might have had an impact on him? Like, Do you think he's just been like that, or was it sort of a nature-nurture thing where maybe he was kind of brought up like that in some sense? It's, it's definitely, I mean, I, I, again, I don't know, Joe, but in general, when we talk about this, there's, there's aspects of both. So, um, you know, there are personality characteristics that we know lead to, um, to being considered an effective leader. And some of those are innate things that you're born with, or that tend to be pretty stable over the course of your life. Um, like your personality, whether you're extroverted, cognitive ability, kind of the way you handle and respond to stressful situations. A lot of those say pretty stable over the course of your life. Uh, but a, a number of these others are behaviors that you can learn and model and see modeled and kind of continue to develop and grow. And I'm sure that there's aspects of his leadership that he has, you know, figured out on the fly as he's led high school teams and and led at LSU, and then now uh, goes into you know his latest season here uh, in Cincinnati. You know, I think all of that is so interesting, and, and you know, now he goes into year four where he came in, he was the rookie, he was the new guy, still the main face of the offense, obviously, but it's different when you're a rookie. Now you're in year four. You know, they're drafting guys that he probably doesn't know that well that, like you mentioned, he's getting to know now, like Charlie Jones, Chase Brown, whereas like they drafted Jamar Chase and that was a no brainer because that's like one of his best friends, you know, dating back to their time at LSU together when they had that big championship run with, uh, you know, that 2019 team. So, you know, him bringing in these guys, welcoming them in, like getting to know them, teaching them the offense. Would you say maybe it's a little bit different now that like he's got this experience under his belt? Like maybe this is more of a, a coach question, but I think this kind of ties into the leadership aspect of like now that he's established himself as one of the faces of the league, the absolute face of the franchise, do you think maybe he carries an even greater weight or do you think there's really no change there going into year four? Gosh, I don't know. I think, I mean, the one thing about Joe that I uh, think, or there's a lot of things that I admire about him, but he does seem to not take himself too seriously um, or kind of get a big head about things. But he does also really talk a lot about learning and growth. Um, you know, you notice that in in his press conferences now um, after games, he's always talk about learning and developing and growing. Um, actually, I posted a, like, I used to use a Twitter for my um, class a lot. And in 2020, I posted a clip of him in his first season where he was getting talked to um, by some refs. He was mic'd up in the game and they told him he needed to like start committing to sliding so that he didn't get hurt. And he was like, I'm learning, I'm learning, you know, I'm picking it up. So he's always kind of had that aspect that he's talked about since he's um, joined the NFL. And I think that there's probably some component of him that has this, this, you know, pretty stable, um, skill set that he's confident in and in, in leading these teams. But I'm sure that he's, he's continually, you know, learning and growing as they, you know, face each new season. And, and the expectations are certainly higher this year, um, than, you know, they've been in past years. So I'm sure he's kind of responding to that as well. 
So that I know that clip you're talking about, and it's a hilarious clip. There was even one part where one of the Jaguars players dropped their wristband, and he was like, "This y'all's? What am I supposed to do with it?" Like <laughs> yeah. it was just, you know, like like that's the thing. People would look at that and say, "Gosh, what a weirdo!" Like who cares? It's someone's wristband. But like you said, he doesn't take himself too seriously. Like, is this yours? Is this yours? Yeah, well, what's gonna, what are you gonna do with it now? Like it's just so casual. There's so many great clips of him mic'd up like that. There's one, you know, where he's introducing himself to other players on the other team. Like they don't know who he is. And he's just, you know, middle mid game. I can't remember who is introducing himself to, but he's just like, the hi, I'm Joe. You know, like, we all know who you are. That was the great. Super Bowl when he, he went up to, uh, he went up to Von Miller and said, Hey Von, I'm Joe. Nice to meet you. <laughs> he went up to Aaron Donald who walked right past him. Cause obviously Aaron Donald's trying to win a championship. He goes, what up Aaron? And he kind of pats him on the head and, then I think he saw Eric Weddle and said, hey, Eric, I'm Joe. Good to meet you. <laughs> and it's like you're playing in the biggest football game in the world. Like, I think they know who you are. They've watched a lot of film on you. I'm sure they knew who you were before you were even uh, a pro. And so he obviously knows that. Like, I think he really doesn't take himself that seriously. He knows it. But I think that leads to kind of the, the second area of leadership that I think is interesting with Burrow is – that inner per- – I feel like it's like a sense of interpersonal attractiveness. Like the fact that he just says, hi, my name is Joe, even though the whole world knows you're Joseph Lee Burrow. Like, I mean, how do you sort of describe that? Like is, is interpersonal attractiveness a good way to kind of talk about why Joe Burrow just doesn't take himself too seriously and why maybe that actually gets a lot of people interested in him and attracted to him? Yeah, I think he definitely has just a general, I mean, there's just a general aspect of liking with him that I think makes him more, he's very approachable um, and he seems pretty genuine. He seems to be the same person um, and, you know, at least the situations that I see him in, I don't know what he's like behind the scenes or in the locker room, but I think people respect that, that genuineness um, and respond to it. And um, he seems like he likes to, you know, have have a good time and, and, and focus on um, having positive relationships. Like I just saw the Jamar chase thing where he was talking about him doing like UFC fighting, you know, maneuvers on him in the yeah. locker room or whatever. He seems he's, to have he's, like he's a general up on him. <laughs> yeah. Um, just a general, you know, there's, there seems to be a, a genuine amount of liking for the, for um, between him and, and, um, his, his colleagues or his teammates, you know, the, the people that he is trying to lead. I think that's an important part of building trust and, and having people respect you is that they have to, at least there has to be some level of, you know, respect for who you are and liking who you are. And I think he's, he definitely does seem to project that. I think that's a good uh, turning point for the next part of our conversation where we talk about everything you mentioned there, the respect, the attractiveness, the camaraderie, and the emotional side of that. When we come back, we're going to break down all of that and more. Again, this is uh, Dr. Lauren Steed, uh, an assistant professor at the University of Cincinnati Linder College of Business, who specializes in leadership. Uh, Don't go away. We'll have that segment when we come back right here on the Strictly Stripes podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
All right, thanks for staying with us on this very special edition of the Strictly Stripes podcast. I'm joined by Dr. Lauren Steed from the University of Cincinnati Linder College of Business. And the reason why she's here is because she has a specialization in leadership, and we are breaking down Joe Burrow's leadership and what makes him so effective on and off the field. Before the break, we were talking about uh, everything involving sort of his transformational leadership style, and we pivoted into that sort of interpersonal attractiveness. You know, you talk about him shaking hands with players on the field as if they don't know who he is, but he's clearly the fit, one of the faces of the league at this point. Um, and then, you know, he, he sneaks up on Jamar Chase doing UFC, like fly kicks or whatever the moves are, which by the way, that would be so funny. Like I was joking on the podcast earlier this week. That'd be so funny if you put him in the ring with Jamar Chase and like a UFC setting, like I would love to see who wins that fight. Cause that would just be, that would sell more than any of these other fights. I don't know who fights who, but like I, I'd pay my whole bank account savings to watch that because that would be hilarious. Um, but like that's the thing is, I think it's very hard, you know, not just I think with what he does as a quarterback, but in most fields where you're the center of attention and you have to lead the way. I think it's very difficult to, you know, find that balance of really being serious, really getting people to be on the same page. But being so likable that, like, you know, you're not goofy, but you're also so likable that people want to listen to you and they want to be with you. Um, Kind of talk more about that. Like, is Joe Burrow maybe so unique in the sense that without speaking too much for other players or I guess other quarterbacks, that he's almost mastered the art of, like, being so approachable that you can talk to him about anything, but so serious that, like, you don't want to let him down? You know, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't, I can't really speak for many other quarterbacks, um, but he does seem like he's done a nice job kind of walking that tightrope um, of being likable, but also, um, you know, being serious about the work that he's doing as a quarterback and being serious about what the Bengals are doing and, and the goals that they have set as a team. And I think some of that is that you kind of see him in his press conferences, at least, move back and forth. So he'll make a lighthearted comment or a joke about something, but he really doesn't seem to, he seems to take the the conversations about what they're doing on the field, their strategy, you know, his play, his game very seriously. He seems to speak very seriously about that. And so I think he, he, at least in what he projects outward again, I don't, I don't know what, what goes on behind the scenes. He seems to do a good job of, um, you know, when for the serious topics, you know, approaching those with the the gravity that shows he he does take them very seriously. And when he can be lighthearted, you know, he does build that in. Yeah. And I think that's so interesting because, you know, sometimes you just, you, you look at him like on the field, like when you look at the TV cameras and, you know, like the in-game broadcast, like he seems almost emotionless, but he's really not. I think that's just the sign that he's very, very locked in. And then you kind of look at things like, you know, away from the field when, you know, he kind of lets his guard down and has fun, like in the locker room, sometimes even in post-game press conferences, like where we talked about the Super Bowl window being his whole career, you know, like the cigars and wearing like Jamar Chase's national championship jersey uh, before that game they played at the Superdome, which was, you know, their sort of homecoming in that sense. And mm-hmm. then you look at just uh, the celebration videos where like he's just having fun smoking cigars each time they clinch the AFC North, which... I think leads to kind of the third and overall arching point is there's a sense of emotional stability where he, he can keep himself together. He can have fun and he can really 
be so locked in that, like I said, you look at the TV cameras, you look at the shots, and it's like, does this guy not have any emotions? And he does, but it's just so calculated. He's so callous about it. Like, how do you sort of describe his emotional stability? Yeah, so emotional stability is a is a personality characteristic that we um, that we study in my field in organizational behavior that has to do with being you know calm, collected, more even keeled, um, unlikely to kind of you know overreact at the the sense of stressors. And you do see you see that over and over with him. You know, in the way he on the field, they'll be um, they'll be down at a ton and he never looks panicky. He always talks in his press conferences about, you know, we went back to the locker room. We didn't panic. We trusted our work. We knew that we could do this. Um, you know, I've, I saw like a quote from him from um, their early loss last season to the Steelers, where he threw a bunch of interceptions and he talked about never panicking in that situation. He just keeps it um, pretty calm and he has a high, seems to have a high level of, of tolerance for stress, which is no something that we know from research can lead to effective leadership um, because people are looking to, you know, looking for that sense of calm that we got this, we can stay even keeled, we can do this. Um, and so he projects that outward very well, both on the field and after the field, you really never see him, um, you know, getting, getting super reactive one way or the other, which I think helps kind of create a sense of trust and respect for him. Unlike someone like Tom Brady, for example, who you give him a Microsoft tablet after he throws an interception and that tablet's going to be gone in like the next five seconds. Like you just don't see that from Joe Burrow. And this is not a knock on Tom Brady, by the way. Obviously, he's earned a lot of the titles he has for his own right and his own reasons. But I mean, you don't see that. You don't see that from Joe Burrow. Like he might get upset. He might get frustrated. I think he told Tom Rinaldi in an interview once with ESPN when he was at LSU that one of his sort of character flaws or one of his like I don't want to say flaw maybe that's a a strong word but like one of his you know I guess maybe flaws is the right word one of the things that he knows he can get better at I guess is that like sometimes he tries not to get upset but like little things will upset him and it you know in the in the interview kind of showed clips of him like just kind of getting mad after a bad pass or a bad throw so it seems like maybe that's something that was never really an issue for him but he zoomed in on it so much in college that it's almost like spotless in the NFL where you can't see him getting mad. You can't see him getting upset. So could you maybe say that, like, you know, whether it's that Steelers game, you know, him telling everyone to take a deep breath after starting 0-2, like, how, how much do you think by him doing that, aside from fans and stuff, obviously, more importantly, it allows, like, his teammates and everyone around him in the locker room to take a deep breath and calm down? Oh, I think it does for sure. And he, he understands, um, I think very much that he is setting the tone and he's setting the culture for how the, you know, the team is operating, how the team is responding to adversity. I think it puts that his, that, that trust with his team that we got this, we can do this. And I mean, you've, you've seen it play out, right? They've had two fantastic seasons back to back. Um, and I think a lot of that does come from them, you know, maintaining, cause they've had some real close games and they did start, you know, 0-2 last year. Um, and they were able to project that calm. We got this, we've got the confidence, we can do it. And I think that that's really important. You know, obviously I think a lot of pundits and critics, and even I think, you know, even myself kind of said, like, how do you dig yourself out of an 0-2 hole? And then they go from that to being 5-4, and four, or no, 4-4, four and four, after getting literally blown out in front of the entire country on Monday Night Football in Cleveland. 
I think a lot of people were saying, okay, Jamar Chase is out for the next few games. You just lost your Dobia Awuzie for the rest of the year. Your offensive line is questionable. Like you still have those concerns you had from the year before when he got sacked a whole bunch of times. You know, you got to deal with the Chiefs coming up. You got to deal with the Buccaneers coming up. Like people were saying, like, you know, is can the Bengals really pull themselves together and make a run like last year? And a lot of people were very skeptical of it. And from that point on, they didn't lose until that AFC championship, which obviously even then they barely lost that game. That came mm-hmm. down to like the essentially the final drive or two. So, you know. Is that almost like, I mean, Burroughs is going to be confident in himself no matter what, like you said, but can he sort of kind of look at that and say, oh, look, I told you guys we were going to be fine and we're going to be fine. Like, does that only allow him to command even more leadership and respect amongst others around him? I mean, I'm sure if you're a member of the team and you hear him saying, you know, we're going to be fine and we got this and we're going to win and then you're actually doing it, he's right. You know, of course that's going to, lend some trust and some credibility to the the things he's saying, right? He's not all talk. He's able to, you as a team are able to get it done. And that confidence is just, you know, translating into actual wins in the season, which is awesome as a Bengals fan. Right. Yeah. And especially if you're a Bengals player. So I think I'll kind of to tie this all together and sort of spin it forward is, you know, we, we just kind of laid out the framework of Joe Burrow's leadership style the interpersonal attractiveness that makes him so likable and the emotional stability that allows him to just take a deep breath and sort of tell everyone, hey, we got this. We're going to be okay. We're going to be good. Now that we sort of know this framework and he's going into year four, partially with his teammates from the last three years, like Jamar Chase and T. Higgins and Joe Mixon, and then without some guys, like he doesn't have Hayden Hurst, he doesn't have Samaj P. Ryan, but he has new guys on his team, like the rookies I mentioned, along with Irv Smith Jr., who's um, somewhat of a veteran, kind of like him, you know, now that he is navigating a new season with a similar but different look, whether it's next year or beyond next year, like the next decade, if he plays that long, however long he decides to play football, why are the Bengals going to benefit from his leadership style? I guess the first part of that, because I know that's kind of a broad question, as far as the first part of why they're going to benefit from that. How much more attractive does that make Cincinnati to other free agents who, you know, need a team to play for? And maybe they're not even on offense. They could be defensive players like Nick Scott who need a home. And they might look at that team and say, hey, I want to play with Joe Burrow. I want to play for the Joe Burrow team. Like how much of an impact do you think that has on changing the culture of bringing guys into Cincinnati? Oh, I think that matters a ton. Didn't Isn't that what happened with Irv Smith? To an extent, yeah, it was actually. To an extent, he said, you know, he saw Joe Burrow and just, you know, couldn't turn down the prospect of playing with him. Also, Hayden Hurst, same thing last year. He openly said after they beat the Bills that, you know, at this time last year, or at that time last year, he was watching them on the Super Bowl thinking, I would love to be a part of an offense like that. So they, they've said that word for word, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think I, I think you see, you see it play out, but I think it matters a ton. Um, you know, it's just like in the... The, the workplace, that's, you know, my area of expertise. We want to work at organizations where we see this leadership that people can get behind and get excited about and get excited about the mission of the organization. Um, and it's, it's really no different that, you know, this is these, these, um, these players, this is their job, right? And they're looking to find a workplace where they feel that they can do, you know, do their best work and be supported and show off their talents and, um, you know, I think that Joe is projecting Joe and the whole organization is projecting this sense of strategy and, um, you know, leadership and that 
this confidence that they're going to do it. And people are attracted to that. You know, I think that's the biggest thing is, you know, you, you kind of spin it forward and not only helps them internally with, excuse me, with what they have right now, you know, with the players they have right now, but it, it just allows them to be more marketable. Like I think in a way, like Duke Tobin, the player uh, director of player personnel said this, I think before the draft, which was that, you know, you look at people like Irv Smith coming for one year on a deal, Hayden Hurst one year on a deal. There's almost sort of like this confidence that Cincinnati has become this place where it's like, hey, you can come here and you can win with us. And you, if you come for just one year, you can become a marketable free agent to other teams. Like that's what happened with Hayden Hurst. He mm-hmm. came for a year. He proved it after some decent stints in Baltimore and Atlanta. And now he's the highest paid tight end right now with the Carolina Panthers. Oh, or at I least he, he, he was the most highest paid tight end from this year's free agency class. I don't know if he's overall the highest paid. I think Travis Kelsey might be it. I have to check the numbers. But the point is, he's making pretty good money. And all it took was one year with Joe Burrow. CJ Uzama, he played a couple years with Joe Burrow. He got to play with him for two years, but two years was all he needed. And now he's in the New York Jets making pretty good money too. Like, who knows if that'll be the case with Irv Smith. If he has a good year, he stays healthy. Maybe he goes somewhere else and makes a lot more money. So I know <laughs> talked a lot about money there, but like, is that almost evidence or correlation that playing with Joe Burrow will allow you to be a better player, not just like on the field X's and O's, but just as a person, as far as like learning the game, like, do you think he really teaches people how to win, not just on the field, but off the field? Gosh, I have no idea. Um, I wish I knew. I mean, I can. <laughs> More of a coach can, question. Yeah. Yeah, that's probably a coach question. I mean, it does seem like it lets people really, when you're playing with someone at that skill level, it's letting people show off their talent and they're getting to kind of develop levels of, of um, skill and, and talent that they may not have gotten to develop if they were, you know, working with someone who maybe wasn't as, as talented as Joe Burrow, although all NFL quarterbacks do have a pretty high base level of talent. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know like about that interpersonal development. Um, so that, I guess that's probably more of a coach question. Yeah, no, I think maybe that's a question for like the assistant coaches who work directly with like those players I mentioned. And actually, I do kind of want to ask them that because I do wonder like, yeah, I mean, the on-field stuff is obvious how well you can catch the ball and how well you can run her out. But like, you know, like how much does someone like Joe Burrow like instill confidence in a guy to be able to do that, to be able mm-hmm. to run her out, to be able to make a catch like that? You know, I, I really think a coach would have an interesting perspective on that. But yeah, I mean, that's... And that's the thing about it is like, you know, you sort of laid out the leadership framework, but then it just kind of spills into so many other areas that, you know, you could do separate podcasts and separate discussions on like, you know, kind of what I mentioned there with what does it do to a guy off the field and his performance? What does it do for a guy in his confidence? But I think the, the general consensus is, you know, Joe Burrow has changed the culture by changing the culture. He's gotten players to buy in and by players buying in and players wanting to buy in by coming to be a part of that culture, like in free agency, uh, it really has made the Cincinnati Bengals a championship contender. And it's not to say that it's only because of Joe Burrow. You look at the players around him who have done what they've done, but it all goes back to him. A lot of their success goes back to him, especially, you know, the receivers like Chase and Higgins who get the Mm -hmm. ball from him. Um, Not that they couldn't do with other quarterbacks, but it's definitely unique when Burrow gives it to them. So I know I'm getting into a lot of X's and O's now, but, uh, (laughs) but Dr. Steed, uh, this was a great conversation. It was very enlightening. And as a matter of fact, uh, kind of a little sneak peek to our listeners Um, on Monday, I'm going to have a comprehensive story 
that analyzes and breaks down Joe Burrow's leadership, Joe Burrow's style, based on input from Dr. Steed uh, and other experts and players and even coaches on why Joe Burrow uh, is able to be so successful at what he does with his craft as a leader. So, Dr. Steed, I cannot thank you enough for your time. This was very insightful. Um, and before I let you go and remind our listeners to sign up for our Cincinnati Football Insider subtext service, go to cleveland.com slash Bengals. It's a two-week free trial to get the best news, insight, and analysis from me, Mike Nislick, and Andrew Gillis. And if you want even more of our reporting in your inbox every morning, go to cleveland.com slash newsletters. Sign up for the Strictly Stripes newsletter. It's free, and it only takes a few seconds to sign up. So make sure you sign up for those things to get all of those stories, including the great one I'm going to be writing on Monday. Dr. Steed, appreciate your time. You have a great rest of your evening, my friend. Thank you so much. This was so fun. Likewise. Once again, for myself and Dr. Steed, I'm Muhammad Ahmad. We will see you back here on Friday. Thanks.